coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. And the same is true for every one of us. Somehow, if you've got deep wounds, you got to tell your story. Find a group to tell your story. Soldiers the same. You were brutalized in the military and had to kill somebody or saw something blown up or did this. You got to talk about it. You got to get out here, out there, what is in here. You got to do it or it's going to keep you locked up for life. And that's kind of my first big objective with soldiers and helping them out. That was Tom Goodrich with a great reminder and a focus for their Fish for Life community. A powerful fishing program, a passionate founder, and a Lake Lady connection today on the Wet Fly Swing podcast. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the show. We're launching a huge giveaway very soon, uh, and actually it's going to be get coming out this week, the Steelhead School Giveaway. We're heading up to uh, Fish for Steelhead with Jeff Liskey, and he's putting on a school. So if you're interested in checking this out with a chance to win, head over to wetflyswing.com slash giveaway right now, and you'll get a chance to check that out. Today's episode is sponsored by... Lake Lady Rods, building distinctive custom rods, each created one at a time to the exact specifications for each angler. You can contact Chris right now uh, at this number, 218-251-2626. This is the best chance to find out what Chris has going, check out some of his stuff, and the best way to support this podcast is to give Chris a call and let him know you found uh, you heard about him through this podcast. Tom Goodrich from Fishing for Life is here to share his powerful story and message today. Tom connects us to some of his military background and how it shaped his outlook today. And then we get a glimpse into how he creates some of these massive events they have going on all around the country, including a portable fishing pond uh, that they take along with them on a few of these events. I'm excited to uh, get this one rolling and jump into it. So without further ado... Here he is, Tom Goodrich. How's it going, Tom? It's going very well. Nice. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for taking a little bit of time today to uh, talk about what you have there with Fishing for Life. And, and I know some of the events, you're at an event right now as we speak, so this is interesting. I think we'll talk about what you have going over the year and how this organization got going. Um, but before we get there, talk about uh, a little bit on your, I like to hear the background on your fishing kind of outdoor background. How did you kind of come into fishing and, and, and all that? Well, okay, that's very interesting because it's a huge part of my story. I grew up in the Brainerd area. I was kind of an army brat. My dad took a recruiting command in Brainerd, Minnesota. And if you know Brainerd, Minnesota, it's sort of the mecca of Minnesota fishing where Alan Ron Linder grew up. Uh, and they started in fishermen, uh, et cetera. Well, I was a kid who loved fish and did it on his own for the most part. And then my brother married Ron Linder's daughter. So now I'm about 16 and I get thrust into a really a top-notch fishing family, the Linders, and I'm watching everything go around, and I'm amazed by how they built this thing in Fisherman Magazine. You're probably familiar with all that, yep. the oh, professional yeah. walleye trail. And uh, Ron did sort of take me under his wing, and I really needed a male mentor in my life at that time. And uh, Ron has his own story 
of recovery from alcoholism. Well, he really became one of the leaders of Vin Fisherman and certainly owner. And then they built the PWT, the professional walleye trails. I got to work at Vin Fisherman, just sweeping up the garage. I got to work at, with Ron a little bit. And then I actually went to work with the PWT, just moving fish from the boats to the Willie station. And that was just fun work. I got to travel around the country to the next PWT tournament and do that. And I get to pre-fish a little with some of the guides. So there was a point where I thought I might sell everything and get the Suburban and the Ranger boat and go be a professional fisherman. And that was mm-hmm. one uh, real solid area I was thinking about doing because I thought I mm-hmm. could compete. I was a good fisherman. Well, I joined the Army instead, and I spent 22 mm. years in the military. Wow. And it was a my own wonderful journey. I, I did multiple uh, tours. Um, and my last one in Afghanistan, um, I knew that I was retiring, and I wanted to do something in outdoors. I had an affinity towards fishing, affinity towards leading men, and an affinity towards kids. I loved getting kids outdoors because my own story if hadn't ron hadn't taken me under his wing i really was really kind of rudderless until he did and he gave me some direction and he cared for me so i get out of the military after 22 years and i decide i'm going to create one lake event and just start there and i did that and it was well run well organized we did a good job served you know 50 60 kids with 20 25 boats organized on a lake in minnesota here and then we officially started as a nonprofit and we've grown now we're almost 18 years into this and we have mm. six staff full timers wow. that are interested and follow our mission statement of getting kids families communities and veterans outdoors so we have moved into hunting as well and Mm -hmm. we organize hundreds of events impact thousands of people every year through fishing and outdoors wow that is that is a really amazing story so you um and you have going into the military for 22 years and then this fishing for life for like 18 years. I mean, that's a huge, you know, you got 40 years right there of your life. Yeah. And so, so when you look back at these two things and you think about that pro fisherman, what would that be like? Would you think about maybe if you were 40 years of a pro fisherman, would your life be a little bit different? You think? It would be, I like to think I would have made it in that regard. And I would have been probably good at, uh, you know, finding sponsors, building a reputation, making a name and probably, uh, you know, that tournament circuit is kind of for the young, uh, mm. those there's and keeping up, I would not have done well with the electronic advancements as well as some of the other guys. Um, but I, I don't know, it would be interesting to know that path had I done it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a different deal. Well, sounds like you've chosen the right path. Um, I just was listening to another podcast and, uh, and they were talking, it's the military is always interesting to me because I didn't go into the military and I, and I love hearing people, you know, the stories of getting there. But so what made you choose? It sounded like maybe just the family, right? You're, you were already there with your family. It was that a big part of what, what keyed you in to actually take that step? Because it seems okay. like that's a big step to take. It was. And I wish I could tell you it was uh, a pretty picture, but it really wasn't. So, so I'm 16, 17. All I got for skills is fishing. That's it. I don't really have a dad. I got Ron Linder, who's just sort of being a 
a a guide in my life and he's somebody that I have, you know, he's speaking into it to the extent he can, but he's running his big industry and all that. And I'm getting in trouble. So I'm either fishing or I'm getting in trouble. One of those two things. What happened was uh, um, my dad, who was a recruiter, he had since retired and, and he had some troubles and became an alcoholic. So he's distant at best. And I'm getting into trouble. And I ended up in front of a court uh, where they said, you can join the army or you can go to jail at 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. So I go in the army because that's a better alternative. And I'm a knucklehead, though. I'm still a knucklehead. Right. And I'm finding my way, but I at least I'm in the Army. All you got to do is follow orders. And yep. I go in the 82nd Airborne. I'm going hardcore stuff, you know. Um, I'm getting into the elite armed forces. Oh, wow. And what year is this, you know? Tom? Just give us an idea. What, what year is this when you joined? 1983, 84, 85 time. Oh, wow. That's my first step. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the only thing really going on is Grenada, if that does anything for you. Grenada, we were without deployments for many years. So many hardcore soldiers, you know, and there just was nothing going on. Grenada was a little blip until 1990, the uh, invasion of Iraq and Kuwait. There was nothing going on, but we're soldiering on. I'm actually traveling all over the world, but that's a little later. I'm a knucklehead. My first two, three hmm. years, I'm in the 82nd Airborne. I'm enlisted. And another couple guys, and I honestly am a guy who believes in divine intervention. And mm-hmm. a God had sent a couple military guys in front of me. One of them had to say, Tom, I'm not going to let you screw up. I see something hmm. in you. And he began to build into my life militarily. So he made me a leader and he, he made me a NCO, a non-commissioned officer. I got my sergeant stripes because one guy stopped me in my tracks and said, I see something in you. And he built into me. So he used words and those words were life-giving. And he, um, so I began, uh, that journey and I became a pretty good soldier after four or five years. And then I got my commission, the army paid for college. I went and got my commission as an officer. And then I really, really loved leading men in combat and everything else back in garrison as well i commanded a 125 person engineer company everywhere from sappers to heavy equipment operators to uh tip of the spear stuff where you know you're dealing with explosives all the time and i just didn't and then the last six years uh i moved into special operations and did a ton overseas and that's how I finished off my career. So that's wow. the military story in a nutshell. That's it. Wow. This and and I don't want to go, you know, uh, super deep into the military. I think that right there tells a lot. You know, I mean, probably is maybe the reason I'm guessing the fishing for life came to be. I mean, you've got one person influenced you, right? You didn't have a yeah. dad, but this guy basically helped you um, see, like, I don't know, a vision in the military, and and so so you get out of the military, and uh, and then when does so when does the fishing for life idea come to be? Okay, that actually was birthed in Afghanistan, believe it or not. So I'm in and out of the fishing industry a little bit. I'm still fishing here and there while I'm in the Army um, all around the world. And Well, yeah, all around the world, I'd say, because uh, believe it or not, I, was, I tried uh, a little fishing in Afghanistan in some oh, streams nice. just because sure. I, I was running fast and loose across the country. But in Afghanistan was my last tour, and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do, blah, blah, blah. And I really had a vision 
that I, I call it a vision, but I had a sort of inkling, a desire, a word, a vision, whatever you want to call it, towards I'm going to do this. And I kind of pressed in and mentally sort of started exercising the uh, the idea of, okay, I'm going to get out. And, and I started small, and I will say I was just obedient in doing the next best thing, and that was come back and create a lake event. So that all happened in Afghanistan, and I actually built a little bit of a business plan around, okay, if I start something. Well, I got back into the Minneapolis area, um, land of 10,000 lakes, and it was it was a little easier for me to do you know, there's so many boaters up here and boat guides and stuff. I started organizing men with a vision to impact kids. And we started with one lake event and that's kind of how it birthed just, uh, uh, and you know, I found it easy to lead men. My opinion on this is men, they lack vision. And even the Bible says something about that, you know, for without vision, my people perish. Uh, well, for me, I believe that. And it is true. If you provide a great vision and a great plan and execute well guys will follow they will mm-hmm. they they need uh leaders visionaries and blah 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 so i did that and it grew 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 i mean we just multiplied events multiplied programs and um yeah yeah wow so talk about the so you had the first event and what was the name of that first event you did well we didn't ever really name them but it was on white bear lake so uh, and we've since man i think we call that one like uh fishing frenzy. I got little names for every lake event because we sometimes now, but that was on White Bear Lake. That's a lake in the North Metro. And it was, you know what? We reached out to the North Metro kids and said, we're doing a lake event. You want to learn how to fish? You want to come fishing? And I really wanted to take kids the next step. There's a ton of programming for, you know, uh, for fishing from a dock and get drowned in a worm. And I love that. That's where a kid has to start. But mm-hmm. I wanted to get him in boats. So uh, my lake events are always kind of the next step. Multi-species, get out on the water. We organize a boat. We have coffee for the guides. We organize the kids. They get two in a boat, and they go out multi-species fishing and just catch them the next best fish you can catch. And uh, so that was that was the first event. That's it. The first event. And then from that first event until now, you're actually at another event. What's what's the event you're at now and how have the events changed a lot in the last 18 years? Well, yeah. So this is another lake event I'm at today and it happens to be called CAST, Community and Sheriff's Department Together. So that's the acronym. But what has happened a lot is Groups have partnered with us and said, we need help. And for this instance, the Anoka Sheriff's Department is the biggest county in the state. And they got a lot of kids. And about, this is now 11 years old, this event. And the Sheriff's Department said, listen, we got kids who have only had a bad impression of the Sheriff's Department. Meaning right. we had to come out there and haul, haul dad away because he was drunk or abusive. Mm-hmm. And now we're the bad guys and we want to identify the kids in Anoka County and, and give them a lake event. So they partnered with us and asked us to help. And we built a wonderful event. There's 120 kids. We've had like 45 boat guides out at this event and the kids come in, they're all called high risk kids. And the sheriff's department has probably a third of our boat guides come from the sheriff's department and they do the cooking, the food afterwards. We do everything else, organize, run it, trophies and prizes and all that. And so we're able to serve 120 kids that are high risk from the Anoka, in partnership with the Anoka Sheriff's Department. And that's just one of many events when a community 
calls us and needs help, we often can respond like this. And you work with a number of different, I mean, you got the sheriff's department. Is it, so can somebody come to you? I mean, are you open to whoever, as long as they kind of meet a certain criteria or how does that look with, as you, and, and, you know, choosing yeah. new groups? Yeah. So honestly, the, the first criteria is, can we take on another event? Cause I, I'm hard on my staff, you know, I'm a military officer and I survive on beans and bullets <laughs> and I got, often have to step back and say, okay, guys, I, even though I don't sleep, <laughs> I understand you, you sleep. So I don't know. So we are in a spot where how do we scale fishing for life is a big mm-hmm. challenge. And I'm working on that with my board and I've got, uh, a lot of great ideas and and that might happen where we're able to scale this nationally, but we're doing 85 events a year. Wow. And one event might be a, a week long camp. I've got a camp going on right now and the kids come back today. So in conjunction with this one day leg event and uh, next week I got another camp and another lake event all in one week. We are super busy and I can only there's only so many boat guides that I have can organize and so many, my staff can only move from event to event. And, you know, and this weekend I have a trout pond. Well, we got mobile trout ponds. If you've ever seen those on our website, they are the size of a swimming pool. And yet we move those at events and I got one this Sunday. So somebody's got to go do the heavy lifting to set that up, get the trout there. And now kids are fishing at a County fair. All so right. we are, um, we're, we're, the criteria is really that starts with, is this the right event? Are there are a lot of open doors already. It makes sense. It complements um, everything we're doing. Um, but I often now have to say no. I've yeah. got to start learning to yeah. say no because we're at capacity. And are your events right now are all kind of in the Midwest area? Yes, they are. I would say... 95%. I'll get a request from Denver, Colorado to do a mobile trout pond at some big, let's call it a car lot grand opening or something oh, that's, like that. That's a good and idea. And we say I yes like that. because, <laughs> well, and here's what happened. About 10 years ago, we were paying about maybe $500 to have a booth at a sports show, right? To talk about Fishing for Life, the nonprofit. And it was like, I had a eureka moment and we ended up buying a mobile trout pond. And now... We have four mobile trucks. Oh, wow. Well, now the sports show will pay us to be at the same show where I was paying for yeah. the booth. And we are the heroes of the show because we awesome. got the fishing. And so I've been real strategic in building Fishing for Life in our program areas. And that's one of the areas that we opened up. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So describe that trout pond. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, I'm picturing you pull up like one of those swimming pools and you put it up sort of thing. What, how, how does it look or what, how does it yeah. work? It's like those above ground, uh, yeah. mobile, uh, I'm going to, it's 20 by 20 hexagon. So there's eight heavy panels and then it's got the big liners and we set that up and then I need to figure out the water issue. Cause guess what? We've learned our lessons and every water source has different chemicals in it that will kill your mm, trout so yeah. i gotta we've learned a lot about that anyway chlorine and treat yep. for this and but we set that up and then now uh, we get the cold water and you got to keep it cold so we're icing it and doing oh, stuff wow. like that and if it's a multi-day event at a 
grand opening, you know, am I setting up on, on asphalt, which is super hot or in a grass? Do I have overhead cover for shade? But anyway, it looks like a swimming pool above ground, but it's heavier duty with great liners. So I'm not leaking anywhere. And then we bring our trout in after everything's all dialed in, takes us, you know, eight hours to really get it ready because you got to fill it, you got to aerate it. Now we're ready to go and you got your tents and all that and your, and your fishing rods. And now we bring in our trout and these are rainbow trout. Normally I've done some multi-species. I've done some catfish ponds down South, but in general, trout are the most hardy fish available. They will bite in captivity. Um, and yeah, that's kind of my criteria that I've taken uh, sunfish, bass, northern pike, and they don't bite in captivity. Right. They're fun to look at and yep. great to eat, but they don't work. Um, and all that has to be permitted, too. So it's work, man. There's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a work. It sounds like you don't uh, sleep very much. What's your How many hours of sleep do you get a night? Well, you know, I'm, <laughs> um, interestingly enough, when I first started fishing for life, uh, uh, there's two things that I, I felt like the Lord told me. He said, Tom, don't own a boat. I came out of the military and ironically, you would think, well, of course he's got a yeah, boat. He's got a big bass boat. I didn't. I was built and called to build this organization. So I have 200 boat guides in my stable, yeah. but I didn't own a boat because I have four kids that are growing up and I, I wasn't going to get trapped into having to be the fisherman. Yeah. So I honestly, Fishing for Life has eight boats that it owns in our stable that were, um, and I have access to a boat now. And the other thing, uh, the Lord sort of spoke to me, said early on as I was building this and trying to build it effectively and large, he said, just be home at four or five every night. Don't get trapped into, yeah. you know, not sleeping. So I'm pretty disciplined. Yeah. I do yeah, sleep, but I'm not a guy. I'm a guy who, if I go to bed at 10, 11, 12, I'm going to get up at three, four, five. Yeah. I just do. I can't That's if it. I could control it. I would. So I, I burn. You know, you, I, I was listening to Elon Musk in a podcast. Oh, yeah. If you ever, he's a guy <laughs> yeah. that doesn't sleep either. There are no. those guys out there that just don't sleep. They would yeah. rather work. And it's in, I kind of, kind of built in that model as well. Yeah. That's the same thing. Nice. So, so are you on all these events? Do you go to, um, I mean, are you kind of at all these events still kind of doing that? Or do you have like key people that know and uh, are leading it? I'm trapped right now in the, in the typical entrepreneurial conundrum of, if you hear about businesses who are oh, trying yeah. to transition to yeah. saying, all right, the owner no longer wants to be a slave to the business and yet giving it up and finding the right people and then having systems that you don't have to be there is where yeah. I'm at. I'm trying to get there. I've got six staff. I've got a great CE, COO operating officer and, and I'm sort of, Honestly, I'm 50% there. Like the trout pond this weekend, I'm not touching it. I want. I don't want anything to do with it. And um, that's it. There you go. That's yeah. Awesome. So I'm in that in that weird mode where um, I'm trying to uh, not have to be a slave to everything. That's right. That's really cool to hear. I lo I love these stories because it is so much like uh, you know it's a nonprofit that you have going, but essentially it's n it's not much different than a business. You know, I mean, trying to get to that point, like, okay, do I? How do I scale? Do I scale? Mm -hmm. You know, because you got to bring on more people. That costs more money, so you you got to do that right. And yep. um, 
This is really cool. I love this story. So, so we were connected. Uh, Chris at Lake Lady Rods uh, connected, and I, I think he's somehow connected to you. And we had, we ran this giveaway. We kind of do uh, not quite at the level you're doing, but we do some giveaways too. And Jana uh, won this rod, this custom rod that Chris built, um, and uh, it was really cool because she has this really interesting story. And I was I'm hoping to maybe get her on the podcast as well. But she's got, I think, like a disability and, and some stuff like that. But I believe she's also connected to, you know, your group. Talk yeah. about that. Like, who are the people, you know what I mean? Like, who are the people that are kind of going to these events? Is this just um, a certain group or is it pretty diverse? It's very diverse because when you talk about Jana, I'm going to share a little bit about her that she openly posts on Facebook. So I think I can. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jana, I see her three times a year and she's pretty exclusive to what we call our REI program, Real Amen. And that is uh, Fishing for Life has eight programs. And one of the programs like trout ponds I've talked about, like lake events I've talked about, REI is the collection of old rods and reels uh, and tackle boxes, then the rebuilding and then the distribution. So somehow she got connected to the REI program. She shows up and helps us rebuild. And she's always goes to them. So she's one of our experts. So when she shows up, we partner, we say, you're in charge of this department of, and what we do is we take over giant. First of all, we collect nationwide. People are calling me every day. I get an email call or text from normally it's a widow said my husband died. We're yep. doing all this stuff. Right. So we take in the stuff and then, um, I mean, a semi truck filled uh, air, twice a year i'd say that's how much stuff wow. we get rods reels tackle boxes and outdoor gear now the rebuilding process is i organize companies who will give me 30 40 50 employees at a time that's how i really get it done so i'll let's for instance i have a, a cummins diesel and we are we we take over the ymca gymnasium in the spring and cummins diesel comes out with 50 employees give us a day of service and they rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. Now we have the challenge of being well-organized. So we have nine stations and Jana will work one station. She's really good. And she goes through all the rods and reels and separates total junk from serviceable to really good to vintage wow. antique. Those are the kind of, and to musky gear, to fly gear. She's good at quickly uh, getting a couple extra volunteers with her, sorting it out. Then they move to the different stations, the stripping line, uh, separating reels from rods, re-tipping rods. Uh, and then we have tackle box stations, which are emptying tackle boxes, cleaning them out, cleaning the gear, and then reassembling tackle boxes so they're fit uh, for a gift to a kid. So that program, Reel Them In, has over 500 volunteers alone. Wow. When you think about all the companies we, uh, we, we set up these rebuilding events, um, we have 500 volunteers and Jana really supports that one. Now, Jana is a farm girl that lives a little up North. So she travels down, but her own story, she, I think is, she came out of some, she's got some victories under her belt from drug use mm. where fishing is a big part of her life and where she finds her peace. And she often celebrates her, her victory over, I think it's crack Mm -hmm. and she's got her act together and she's been around forever and she's doing well, but she's yep. got her own story. Wow. And so somehow, yeah, you're right. Jenna won that fly rod. Yep. Good for her. She serves within the reel them in program capacity. And the final part about reel them in. So that's collecting, rebuilding, and then we distribute. 
So we have about 300 tackle boxes and a thousand rods and reels to distribute every year. And what that looks like is I get hits from all over the country saying, Hey, I'm taking this trailer park, the kids out fishing. I need help. You got gear and we do. And then we get it shipped off to them, a bundle of 15, 20 rods and maybe tackle boxes. And we just keep moving it, keep moving product. Keep moving stuff. So basically that's it. You'll have the group, you'll have the gear now, and then you'll hand it out. You'll find another group that comes to you and says, we need some gear for an event or might, yep. might be one of the events you're, you're setting up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of channels we distribute through. Wow. How do you come up with like this event? So the real I'm in, you know, I mean, how do you come up with the idea and does it evolve as you go? Because this sounds like pretty amazing, right? All these things, these levels, does it start small? Yeah. And then you, like, are you the one coming up with all these ideas? Pretty much. I get to be, you know, in an entrepreneurial business or organization or nonprofit or ministry. You kind of have a visionary. And I see some trends uh, that work like trout ponds. I notice there's a, hey, why don't we have our own trout ponds? I need it for revenue. It'll keep a couple of my summer camp staff maybe employed year round and Mm -hmm. also puts us in the middle of winter at a sports show. So I see things and, you know, I'm also attracted to shiny objects. So that's going to, so I have a board that says, nah, I love it, <laughs> but let's, let's run it through the checks and balances here. Yeah. And I'm going to, here's another thing I will tell you. That's kind of the secret sauce for fishing for life. I give up complete control and power to my board early on. And what that means is I've seen a lot of nonprofits come up, start up, they last one year, two year, and they might be built on the backs of a guy's ego Mm because he wants his name involved and blah, blah, blah. Um, I recognize that if I'm going to have success here, I'm going to trust that I could assemble a nine member board and they're going to make the best decisions and and have ownership, but they could fire me tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy pill to, and I've thought about that once in a while thinking, wow, you know, I got to A, keep my nose clean, B, be the right guy. But I've also, with that is a tremendous amount of freedom. It means, Hey, if they fire me tomorrow, guess what? I can go do something I want to do. I'm a slave right now. And, (laughs) and you know what I mean? And, and they won't, but, um, giving up, that sort of control is a, it's a step of faith and, and not a lot of guys would do that uh, no. because they want protection. They want control. They want, I yep. kind of, I'm a kind of a control freak, but at the end of the day, if I, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta do a good job yeah. and I want to be accountable to my board. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So I'm curious, this is just in the kind of a random one, but out all the gear, is there much, um, fly fishing gear or is it mostly, you know, is there any fly fishing gear in there mixed in? Yes, there is. And well, okay, here's what the, I'm going to tell you 75 for fly fishing gear has got me a little bit betwixt because I got musky gear. No problem. Yeah. Fly fishing gear. The stuff I get is antique. Level, oh, hey, yeah. Like, a lot of bamboo. Yes. And I have groups that are saying, Hey, I'm taking kids in Montana fly fishing. I live out here. Can you get me gear? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I wish I could. I don't want to send. And I do not know fly fishing gear as well. So I don't, I even have a hard time saying, is this chunk or is this something like, you know, um, and it's, it's a, so, and I will tell you, um, I have had one guy one time donated a ton of stuff to me and it was all fly gear top shelf. He was from New York. I said, 
when it shipped to me, I said, what is this? He said, Tom, he had to be wealthy. He must've given me 20 brand new rods, oh, wow. brand new reels. And they were all brand new top shelf, every different name brand you could think of or yeah. this on down. Right. And it was like, wow. So that gear, I give out half of it. And the other half, we just started, we're doing two fly fishing camps next year. Oh, nice. Because I've got a pool of four or five guys that are now saying, we want to do, I love fly fishing, Tom, let's get it on. And if I've got a guy that I trust as a leader, willing to start it, that's usually an open door. I've done the same for catfish camp, veterans programming, yeah. disabled programming. I wait for the manpower, the idea, everything, the, the four or five elements to all show up. And then I usually will say, let's do it. It let's makes sense. It. And it's not costing me a lot of money or work. So anyway, I got two camps. We're going to start one in Minnesota next year. And then the next one, he's got a spot in, I think it's Colorado. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that we're, we're going out fly fishing. We've got the groups. We will easily have the kids. Now they're going to cost me the one problem with fly fishing is I got the gear, but you know, I'm going to spend some money on travel this and, and extra gear that, but, uh, I want to expose kids to fly fishing. Yeah. 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 No, I think it's, uh, well, and it sounds like, you know, you had these ideas, you come up with them, but like this one, right. These people came to you and said, Hey, you know, we've got this idea for, we want to do fly fishing and you kind of let them lead, right. You have a, like a local sponsor essentially. Is that kind of how this works? So you don't have a, as much work. Yeah. Local manpower. Then the sp- Sponsorship, I gotta go chase. Hey, will you help us out? You know, could you take on this camp, sponsor this camp, fly fishing or vet camp or dark house spearing camp? Um, disability was another one. Now I'm I'm doing eight unique disabled uh, events a year. Uh, and why? I never really had a heart for disabled, but some of my boat guides did. And then you know, I was here and saying, Tom, nobody's grateful than these disabled kids to get out on a boat and actually catch a fish. And I am responding to the smiles and the, the good feedback I'm getting. I'm saying, well, let's do more than let's do it. And now, you know, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not, like I said, I don't have a, uh, I have a heart for military. So there, there's one I might pursue, but the disabled have been unique and I love doing them because my guys love doing them. There's yeah. a certain group of guys. And so that's how we move into like um, fly fishing. And that's right. where we're at with fly fishing. So we're going to yeah. launch two next year. Two. That's perfect. And if you ever want to talk to my leader, yeah, I, yeah, I'd yeah. love you to yeah, I'd say, hey, tell us what you're doing, how you're going to launch it. What do you need? Blah, blah, blah. Because tell me about you. Are you a fly fishing extraordinaire specific? Yeah. About me? Yeah. I mean, you like, I know we have a big fly fishing, you know, kind of connection here. Yeah. 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 We're basically our podcast. We've grown one of the, uh, you know, one of the, you know, larger podcasts in the fly fishing space, you know, uh, yeah. out here. So, so we do almost all fly fish, but I mix it up like this episode. Right. So I don't just do fly fishing and actually, you know, I haven't really let this out, but we're in the process of looking at, you know, next year, um, rebranding a little bit, um, to kind of be a little more, you know, broad, we'll always have a strong fly fishing base, but I just enjoy just diversity of topics, you know? So I think that as I go, you know, it's not only going to be fly fishing, you know, we've done conventional fishing, we've done some hunting, you know? So, you know, I just love the outdoors and I don't want to limit myself, even though fly fishing is the thing. When I go out fishing, it's usually with the fly rod. Right. So, yeah. um, So that's kind of, that's just just me. I was growing up. Yeah. 
shoot at your audience too as we develop this there's guys up there that might say tell me more email me or you know what i got two rods i can donate blah 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 i'm kind of open to that because this is brand new territory for oh, us oh yeah yeah and I, I, can, I got a yeah definitely and i could help you know tom with that if you you know, I mean, definitely we got lots of people, obviously, if somebody, if this was resonating with somebody and we got companies that listen as well. So if there was a, you know, and so who would that be? So if somebody's listening right now and they're thinking, God, this is cool. So basically, you know, you, you do these events fishing for life and, and that yeah. thought is like, you're helping, right? Kids and people that are having problems with, uh, you know, alcohol abuse and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Describe what, what is your, talk just a little bit about the mission vision of, of what you're, cause you've, you've highlighted yeah. a little bit, but what is it? Okay, and uh, I'm going to say it's it. my favorite phone call is a mom or a grandma. It's because a grandma seems to pick up the ball a lot. Um, it says, my grandson loves fishing, and we don't know what to do. We're single parent, and we need help. And that's where I love to take over. So I get the kid, start them fishing, get them to camps. And that is where I want a kid like that to grow up with us. He's at multiple camps. We're exposing yeah. him to pheasant. We're so a kid that's having to... problems, is that what is a kid yeah. that's maybe having some challenges? Yes, uh, and but loves the outdoors. There's an affinity uh, towards the outdoors. So that's a big deal too. Um, and somebody identified it. Somebody said, boy, this, you know how some people have a, they just, they're, they're, oh, yeah. they have, they're inquisitive about the outdoors. And if you don't get them by 14 it's gone. It's gone yeah. dormant. It's planting the it seed. It is really kind of a sad deal. I've heard that a lot of times on this podcast. You know, Tom, when we've done this, I've interviewed like, you know, 400 people over the years, you know, and uh, there's so many times where you hear somebody, they're, they're huge names now, but they there was a seed planted when they were younger. And then maybe they took a long break off in their life between like whatever, 14 yeah. and, and 34. But all of a sudden something clicked and like, oh, fishing. And then it brought them back into, right? It kind of saved them. Yep. Exactly. Um, it's my sweet spot for a kid. One area, you know, I told you we got eight programs. You've heard a few of them. One mm-hmm. of us serving military. Well, we, so we serve, we do 16 unique military events for soldiers and sometimes soldiers and their families. Cause I really want to serve the family members. Well. Then another program spun out of that is our mentorship program, which is uh, we identify soldiers who are either incapacitated or possibly died as a result of the, of the wars. And we want to, we want to give their kids cause we know they don't have a dad, mm-hmm. uh, an outdoor mentor. So we've got men who are mentors. That's called our next gen program. Men who are mentors, outdoor mentors. And we assign them to kids, uh, in, uh, who are from that, background military family dad was lost or incapacitated due to the war so that's the next gen so that's a sweet spot for us the other sweet spot is men i have as much of a ministry towards men and i need hundreds of volunteers to, to do all the programming and hundreds of them i have 75 guys every year take one week off to serve at our fishing camps these are overnight camps that's our camping program mm-hmm. okay 75 guys take a week off. I need 500 men just to get to 75 guys. So anyway, all that to say that's sweet spot. It's men who are, I, if I, you said, if you want me to profile them, they're men who are 50 years or older. They love fishing, got a boat. They're kind of retiring. The kids are out of the house and they're saying, 
what do I do with my time? Or what am I supposed to do here? And something's tugging at their heart. And we need to be an organization that gives them really quality vision, programming, and plans, and, and plenty of a robust calendar to choose from. Saying, I can't do this one, but I can do that one. And, um, and that's my challenge is to have a robust calendar of well-organized event that isn't going to burn us out. And that's kind of where I'm at is burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, but because I want to keep these men involved and I want to serve them as much as I serve kids because I led men in the military. And for whatever reason, that's where my heart is. I love the story of a guy who says, man, I've been searching and I don't, go to church. I'm not interested in church, but I sure you guys smell and feel like Christ, whatever, whoever, what I've heard about. And that's, that's, that's a victory for us. Right. If we can uh, represent Christ out there uh, by running well organized events. That's great. So you got, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. You, like you said, soldiers, kids, drug abuse, you have the, the church. So, and this is like you say, it sounds like it's not just for, you don't have to be, you know, a person that goes to church every week to be a part of these events. Is that, is it pretty diverse That's as far as that end? For sure. You're not going to get beat over the head at us. Yep. We, my heart is to maybe, um, yep. Convince you that the church is a good thing, right? Yeah. That, that if you've been wounded or bruised, Hey, guess what? Yeah. We all have the guys who impacted me back in the army and Ron Linder, very imperfect people. Very mm. imperfect. Ron was a, is, you know, he was a raging drunk and then he sobered up Ron Linder. And, um, he, uh, he also was a very imperfect, uh, Christian, but boy, he was also, I like that. He was authentic. He was authentic and that's what we need to be. And guys are given permission to screw up, make mistakes and not be perfect. Yeah. And that's go. a safe place to be. Well, and I again thinking, you know, listening here, if somebody had, you mentioned the fly fishing, it sounds like if somebody came to you and said, hey, I got this idea. So what if somebody had an idea, they had this group of people, maybe it's uh, drug abuse or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, alcoholism, and they feel like we can do something here. They have an idea for an event. What would be the next step to check in with you to just, you know what I mean, to get that rolling if it's possible? Um, well, that's an interesting because I'm going to assume they're not natural. If they're near me, I'm going to say, hey, we need to get to know you because I have to, you know, uh, let's face it. There's child predators out there that want to act with the kids. Right. And or we so I got to vet a guy right now. We are. Uh, so I will say, um, hey, join us at a one day lake event. You're not oh, staying yeah. overnight because we got a background check and do that if it's a camp, you know. Um, and then I start looking at them and then I find out what's their affinity. They love vets or they love fly fishing or they love disabled or they love just kids. Then I, you know, let's, or they want to just be a general volunteer. They don't have a boat. So they want to help a trout pond or like, uh, Jenna wants to do the reel them in rebuilding rods and reels. Um, so we have all this programming and I, I, I want to get them into a spot where they feel like I love this. I get it. I want to be here. So we have all these programs. And then, um, but if it's the real, one of the things is I'm doing right now is I'm sailing fishy for life so I can plant it in Denver, Colorado. And I've got a plan and a vision, but this takes some money and a few years to do. And how I'm going to do it is through the churches. I'm going to, I have, I built curriculum and it's partnered with a group called School of Fish. So what's going to happen is I want to be able to go to, let's call it a church in Idaho, right? Whatever, yep. Coeur d'Alene, wherever it is. Sure. And I'm going to say, we've got some 
cool outdoor curriculum built. All you need, and then it's combined with fishing skills, and it's combined with some curriculum. Now, church, will you take this and get seven men to teach it on Wednesday nights to a needy group of kids in your location? And if they say, yeah, we're interested because it's a great way for us to evangelize and attract kids here, and we got men that are underutilized in our church, and, um, you know, it'll reach out to the local trailer park. So now that curriculum is designed to give them four nights of gymnasium-style tactics on how to fish, uh, casting skills, fly tying skills, et cetera, et cetera. So now they get four weeks, once a week, let's call it, and um, come to the church, and we're gonna, our men are going to teach you some fishing skills. Yeah, we're going to have a little bit of sit-down, uh, talk about, you know, spirituality, and then uh, it's going to culminate in uh, let's go fishing. So it can be used for trout, can be used for lake events, could be used for muskies, whatever it is that community and those men want to do. We've got the curriculum built. And so my fear is you've got an audience out there that's going to call me from Des Moines, Iowa. And no. say, I want to help. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to do, but this, yeah. this is how I'm going to get it done. I'm going to yeah. talk to that guy and say, will you help us? Love in your, a local church. Okay, yeah. yes. And then we will send that curriculum to the guy, send the fishing rods to the guy. He's got everything he needs for a turnkey uh, turnkey event. Right. And I put him in play. And That's he can cool. even say, I only want to serve military kids. Or I find military kids. Or I want to serve disabled. Okay, then fine. The, the curriculum is generic enough that it can work with any people group that the man might want. Cause I do want us, you know, I want to be smart and say, I'm going to serve the people you want to serve. I don't want to force no. them. Into, yeah. Don't force them. You know? And so that's kind of how I'm going to scale fishing for life. And I've got about two, three year journey. And maybe in three yeah. years, you'll be seeing fishing for life across the nation because we figured it out. That's my, yeah. how I'm going to get there. Yeah, this is great, and and I think it sounds like a great idea, and and that's why the church is so powerful because you've already got this, you know, community and you know people that are already giving back, right? I mean, that's the thing. So it's yeah. I could see coming in with the fishing thing, like here it is, here's the curriculum, we got this thing, boom, you know, as opposed to coming into some person or some group that has right. never done any sort of organization or right. So I yeah. can see that that's power. Um, what would be your advice? So just on another thing. So somebody comes in here, maybe they're not going to do your event, but they want to create their own event. You know, like what, what do you tell somebody that are like, Oh God, how do I start an event? What, what's your, what would be one word of advice for them? Yeah. You know, don't be afraid. Small is not bad. I hear yeah. too many guys. They just see big vision yep. and yet they realize they may start and say, it's too big. I can't possibly. So start small, yeah. do three boats, six kids. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's a biblical deal. Uh, do not despise small beginnings. and But be obedient to the vision or the mission. Not Don't get caught up in it's got to be big and a robust or it's a failure. Uh, three kids, you know, I mean, three boats, guides. So I would say be okay with starting small because it actually is safer. It gives you protection. It mm-hmm. allows you to see things and learn things not that and you're not on a big scale where you have more at risk. So yeah, that's kind of that's uh, a great my tip. advice. 
It's a great tip. And that's, I always go back to my, my funny uh, saying uh, that the riches are in the niches, right? Kind of a, you know, business yep. thing. Like it's always good. Uh, a lot of times to start small because, you know, then you serve your audience. You got this really narrow group of people and then you could always expand out later. Like you're doing right. You got this thing. Now you got this vision like, Hey, fly fishing around the country, even though you started out, like, what was that? The first event, it was, um, it was just a tiny little event. Was that your first event? Pretty mm -hmm. small. Well, I did start, maybe you would consider bigger 20 boats, you know, on, oh, yeah. on Wiper. It wasn't smaller in that regard. Yeah. But well, what's your big event now? What, what's your, like, you asked 20, what, how many boats are in an, an event now? Oh, I, I, you know what? Still, we have the problem of the DNR will only allow so many boats on a lake. Oh, right. Our biggest event is probably 50 boats serving 150 soldiers called Armed Forces. A one, no, I've got a bigger are what we call holes for heroes is on the ice. And I organize now I'm up to 15 different lakes all participate on a one day event called holes for heroes on the ice. So we're ice fishing and I've got leaders on every lake and we have probably somewhere around 1300 people served and mostly soldiers and their family members. So I have, I picked 15 different lakes across the state of Minnesota, find leadership at each lake give them guidance. And then we're all hooked up via the internet. So everything happens. Uh, we all start at the same time. We have the same tournament, same prizes. Everyone's competing, but the group on the 15 different, each group, each 15 different lakes have to have like four or five main ingredients. They got a food, they got leadership, they got guides and um, um, they got the equipment. And, and if they do have all that stuff, then, then I, I, I will stand up that lake as an official lake. Perfect. Nice. Well, this has been, this has been awesome. I feel like, uh, you know, we can continue talking here another hour. I mean, I've got some things. Um, one thing I don't want to leave, we're going to get out of here in a few minutes, but, um, I was reading somewhere about, I think maybe you, you, you wrote a book when you're in the military, maybe it was for your son. Was that part of the, talk about that, that book, did that book mm. ever get out there? Is that published? No. It, yeah. I got the book. I'm surprised you must've found that. I wonder where you read that. I'm not sure. The book, uh, no, I did. I wrote 50 short stories about some military experience, tried to tie into a, uh, a biblical sort of analogy. And it was for my son. And, um, I've never went to print with that. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, it would, uh, so yeah, that was just something I wanted to do just in case I got killed. Oh, right. And I wanted to have something. So yeah. I did write 50 short, well, it's probably 35 short stories of um, stuff. And I've thought about it. Who knows? I'll reinvent it at some point. I'd yeah. have to redo it it's all there. because I've learned so much more now. Uh, but um, yeah, someday. Yeah. And, and take us to, and again, we mentioned the military, and I'm always interested in this because I was never involved in it. But you know, you're in, you know, Afghanistan, things like that. I mean, what is that military, you know, obviously it's, uh, changes your life, but when you're there in combat, you know, what does that feel like? I mean, is, I know you can't explain everything, but I'm just, is it something where is it trying to get to a place where it's just, you know, it's doing business. It's just, you're, you're there or, you know, take us yeah. to there a little bit. Uh, well, okay. I'm going to, this is kind of, uh, I, I think I'm unique in a few different ways. Um, I was a leader, an officer, and I didn't really have time to have uh, not to be, you know, in charge or, or or to let my guard down. So when you ask the question about um, is it more routine in the mm -hmm. combat for me, believe it or not, it was. And mm. I actually surprised myself because I didn't know what to expect. 
And I don't ever want to say I was like without fear, but I was, and, and, and I had terribly great composure and I don't even know why. And it still kind of baffles me um, where I did see people who were different than that and needed, needed more of holding hand and, uh, and it's weird. And then you think about PTSD and yeah. I have to be patient with men and I'm kind of robotic at times. And then I got back after 20 years. So, you know, I was a basket case at 17 and went in and had no skills. And then the army taught me all these skills and I was really good at it. I became quite robotic. And then I get back and I got a wife and four kids. I start to raise it doesn't work in that environment. So I've, oh, right. I've had, to, I've had multiple, multiple years of therapy and I'm an advocate yeah. for, I pay a guy yeah, me to too. talk about my issues because I need it. And it's just, and guess what? If you don't pay for it, you won't really listen nope. and follow. So I pay a guy and he's my therapist and it, he helped me through the early years of some PTSD stuff. He's helped me in raising kids and being a better husband, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, um, the, the experience in the military was weird for me because, um, boy, I needed the military. It taught yeah. me skills, but I became kind of robotic in that regard, a great leader, I think a good leader. Mm -hmm. And yet, um, you know, um, it was different scenarios. And now I get to deal with soldiers who, um, are broken, man. And they yeah. can't, you know, cause the military made mistakes. They made mistakes. There was ugly situations. Oh, yeah. I love, you know, trying to impact their lives through our organized events and, um, putting them in the right environments with soldiers, other soldiers. So really my objective is tell your story. Cause you know, um, even Ron Linder, let's talk about Ron Linder. And yeah. Fishman. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know what the truth is? He was delivered from alcoholism. And then, you know what he had to do? Tell a story time and time again, he had to admit I'm broken. I'm weak. I, and I, there is a God and I'm not it. And you, and the same is true for every one of us. Somehow, if you've got deep wounds, you got to tell your story, find a group to tell your story. Soldiers the same. You were brutalized in the military and had to kill somebody or saw something blown yeah. up or did this. You got to talk about it. You got to get out here, out there, what is in here. You got to do it or it's going to keep you locked up for life. And that's kind of my first big objective with soldiers and helping them out through fishing, through our outdoor events, provide an environment. And it may mean we have a beer and we loosen up. Yeah. So now I've got an environment where um, you're not getting blasted, but you are loosened up and now let's, you know, we share and tell our stories and that's the beginning. I can only take them so far down the road though. Yeah. The deep, deep work has to be done by God and professionals uh, because right. I can't do it all. No, no, you're there. Well, and this is kind of on a similar track and this is kind of an extreme show. I would have never watched this show, but uh, there's a show out there called Barry and uh, Henry Winkler. We just, I interviewed Henry Winkler, you know, the Fonz, you remember happy days mm -hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's a fisherman, and I interviewed him, but he just won an Emmy for this show, Barry, right? But Barry is a really crazy show because it's about this guy who literally was in the military, you know, killed some people in the military. And then he, when he came back to the U.S., his uncle essentially was like, you know what? 
here's what you could do. And he trained him to be a hitman. So it's this crazy story, right? But Henry Winkler is in, you know, he's, he won Emmy in this actor thing. But again, it's that, it's that guidance, like you're saying, like somebody comes out of the military, they need guidance sometimes, right? These mm-hmm. people need somebody. And, Absolutely. And, it, and it sounds like for you, right, you're maybe that first step to giving them some guidance. And then, you know, then you got professionals. So, uh, yeah, this is amazing, uh, Tom. I mean, I think, um, yeah, anything before we get out of here you want to you kind of mm-hmm. leave us on? You know, there's somebody out there in your audience, I bet you, that says, I get this vision. I, uh, um, I want to help. And it, even financially, and really where I need it is I got to launch this thing nationally because I think I can scale this. I think I can mobilize men in, in communities like Coeur d'Alene mm-hmm. or Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah, or Texas. And, um, and, and so, so, yeah, wherever. If you show me a community of one man, uh, I'll get the, the the material, the the, um, the the gear that he needs. And um, anyway, I don't know. I guess that you know there might, and only if it's tugging on your heart, we may be the right organization for you to partner with. I'm going to start two fly fishing events, so maybe some yeah. of your audience says I can help them out with some gear. For sure. Uh, and not only do I got to do two fly fishing camps next year, I do have three groups out there saying I need fly gear and I can't quite get them because all I got is old vintage yep. stuff that's been donated. I don't quite have the level that they need. So maybe there's guys out there who says, I know how to organize a fly fishing uh, stuff. If you get it to Tom Goodrich, uh, 500 volunteers working on it and I'll get it out to kids who need it. That's it. Where should we send those people if they have some gear and they want to, they want to donate, where do we send them? Tom at fishingforlife.org. Tom at fishing for life. That's me. Cause I still handle that end of it. I probably need to get away from it, but for the next yep. year or two, I'll probably still, I'll be the point person for those just wondering about fishing for life. Um, so Tom at fishingforlife.org. Perfect. And what, what on a, a trade show, I wanted to get this too. So you, it sounds like you do some trade show. What's, what's the biggest trade or one of your most enjoyable trade shows out there you do? Mm, I like like the musky expos and oh, the, yeah. um, turkey deer classic. I like the special shows because those audiences, fly fishing classic in Minnesota, we got, you got big sports shows, but then you got the small ice fishing show in Minnesota is huge. Oh, Everyone's wow. coming because they want the best and the greatest and the latest in ice gear. So I guess I'm kind of, uh, Minnesota's got a great fly expo. Yep. Um, I kind of like those shows for some reason. Um, I don't. That's probably those are the better ones. The small ones. All right, Tom. Well, I'll let you get out of here. Uh, this has again been amazing, and we'll send everybody out to um, uh, fishingforlife.org. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, shedding some light on this. I think this is an amazing event, and we will do our best to uh, connect people with you uh, as we move along. All right. All right, and uh, very good. I appreciate the time. This has been a fun interview. So there it is. Pretty powerful episode, wetflyswing.com slash 360. 360, uh, we'll have some show notes, some uh, information there to follow up on what we talked about today. A quick listener shout out before we get out of here, uh, Ty Schreiner. I ran into Ty on the river and later he sent me an email that uh, connected uh, me to the podcast. I, he recognized my voice out there, so it was pretty cool. I just want to say, Ty, thanks for thanks for checking in and taking the time to send that email and for your support on this podcast. Would definitely love to hear from you. If you get a chance, you can head over to our website, Dave at wetflyswing.com. And uh, there you can get all the information you need to send me an email or connect on social and uh, let me know if you have been listening, been enjoying the podcast. 
Before we get out of here, just want to share our big giveaway we have going. Uh, this is the Steelhead School. It's going to be going on uh, for the next week. So if you get a chance, you can get a chance to join and win that trip to the Steelhead School with Jeff Liskay, wetflyswing.com slash giveaway. And uh, we're also going to be uh, providing an opportunity if you want to just come along. We've got room for six, six anglers. So uh, check in uh, with me anytime and I'll give you the details there. But join the giveaway. That's an easy way to jump in on this one and check out what we have going. Okay, that's all I have for you today. I'm going to keep this short and get out of here, let you get on to the next episode, everything you have going on today. So I appreciate you stopping in here and listening, and uh, and I appreciate your support. You can check in with me anytime, Dave at Wet Fly Swing. And I hope to catch you on the water or online, and I hope you are having a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. Looking forward to talking to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.